0: Hi, welcome to This Property Life podcast. I'm your host, Mark Winship. I'm a professional property investor, service accommodation expert, and property coach. This week, I'm thrilled to welcome Jerry Alexander back to the podcast. I always enjoy my chats with Jerry, and in this episode, we tackle the complex issue of risk management. Risk in property can manifest itself in lots of different ways, and our attitude towards risk can be a big factor in how we choose to invest, what strategy, and to what scale. Jerry is a very experienced investor, and the perspective he brings to this episode is fascinating. Without further ado, let's get going. Morning, Jerry. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Mark. Nice to see you. Good. Good to see you. Um, and we've got an interesting topic this morning, haven't we? We're talking yeah. about uh, risk. Um, and the role that risk plays, I guess, in property investment and trying to, I guess we're debunking some myths to a certain extent as well around around risk, but also hopefully we will send people away with some practical ideas around mitigating some of the risks. In,
1: yeah, in and I think the danger of risk is that people, the danger of risk, risk is potentially <laughs> danger, right? <laughs> <laughs> Wrong choice yeah. of word. I think that a lot of people look at it a little bit too, um, simply too simply it, it's um, it's pretty complex and there are lots of areas of risk aren't there in, in the right. property whether and, and for me originally I would have just looked at it and said well this is just about the development I'm doing and the risk associated with that right yeah. and maybe not finding a tenant but there's so many other
0: areas isn't there there is even to the point of the risk of the risk of getting started as a professional property investor the risk of um changing your work situation so that you focus more on property you know right down to those sort of lifestyle risks i guess
1: yeah a lot of that's opportunity cost though isn't it that, yes. that thing about if i don't do this yeah what what's the consequences of not doing it not doing which sometimes way. is the way of actually getting yourself some people find that's the only way to motivate themselves yeah <laughs> the fear of missing out
0: <laughs> but it's funny property isn't it because it's um we were talking about this before jumping on the call. It's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, we've got age old phrases associated with property, which we are all familiar with like safest houses. And a lot of people, um, you know, recognize that actually putting your money into property into real estate is in the long term, one of the safest investment vehicles. However, you know, we've all probably been at receiving end of, um, of I don't know, loved ones or people around us w- warning about, oh, do you really want to get into that right now? You know, that sounds like a risky project or oh, is this the right time to be investing because of inflation and recession? And, you know, it, it's on, on the other side of the coin, it's perceived in some ways to have a lot of risk attached to it. So yeah. that's why I thought this would be an interesting conversation to sort of try and debunk that a little bit do you find the same thing
1: yeah there's a lot of um contrasting views and it's quite challenging to actually get this we're both learning right this this whole process and and before this conversation thinking well what exactly is risk and how much is it influenced by the person rather than the situation and and i would think that the person and their approach is fundamental to it, isn't it? Yeah, so you yeah. can actually have the same scenario for two different people. You're talking there about loved ones saying, you know, should you be doing this? Is this risky? Well, it might be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. it depends a little bit on that individual and the strategies, the knowledge they have, all the sorts of things, which I guess we'll come on to. Yeah. But, but it's quite interesting that for one person, it could be really risky for somebody else. It could be mundane and just normal. I and mean, I what's, guess-
0: the, what's the difference there? well i guess it depends as well i think i think personality types comes into it i hadn't i hadn't even sort of considered that but i think you're absolutely right that that the same uh, objective criteria let's say the same uh, investment criteria might be perceived as high risk by one person and the exact same criteria would be perceived as lower risk by somebody else depending on i guess their own risk profile their own appetite towards risk and their own perception of what what risk is, I guess, and what the implications are, but I guess it also depends on where you are within your own journey, right? As in, yeah. a, a certain property deal might seem risky to me, or might have seemed risky to me in the past, whereas it seems less risky now, and 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 vice versa, you know. And it's it's how it's how you perceive risk changing over the course of time as you bring in experience and and everything else that comes along with it.
1: Well, when when you first got started, then did you? Looking back now, how did you feel about those first steps? In terms of risk, were you,
0: was it even were you even conscious of it? I was certainly conscious of it. I think the risk, um, the risk was more um, getting into the unknown aspects of um, working with builders, um, managing a reefer budget, just just the stuff that's. For most people getting started in property is completely alien territory and you'll never, you'll, you, you know, you'll never, unless you're coming from a construction, employment construction background, you're never going to have brought really any transferable skills into that. So I think that's where we were aware of the risk was actually sort of going headlong into this. We just we were fairly confident around demand. So we were looking at HMOs initially. This is where we yeah. were initially investing. We were fairly confident with the demand that we'd established we were pretty confident with our numbers um and therefore the risk really was project management i guess as much as anything yeah uh, okay
1: so and and we i guess we would be conscious of while well, we're having this discussion about what is of risk we're we talking about because there you mentioned about project risk and i was asking you what about that first one but yeah. as you as you Grow your portfolio. More risk, new risks come in, such yep. as economic risks, um, insurance risks. Yeah, you, you know, in terms of actually, what are you insuring here? Is it just the yep. building, or is there other aspects like you as a person? Yep. Is it the um, the subcontractors? Are you insuring that subcontractors have proper insurance? All those sorts of things start coming. CDM rules. Yeah, there's a lot of risks there that. I guess, are just pieces of the jigsaw you need to learn as you go, in, as you go on. Yeah. And with time and help, um, you should be able to mitigate them. But it, it amazes me now, even now, um, well, it doesn't amaze me. <laughs> I'm talking about myself here. But I, I still find that every now and then I'm looking at a project or, or development or something that I expect that we're working on, I think, hold on a minute, I haven't fully really thought about what happens if that happens. Yeah. what happens if that happens and, and and are we covered for that and yeah. sometimes it's not to paying a physical insurance sum but it's an activity or something you have to do to try and mitigate that yeah. it's quite it's quite I think the, the industry is quite forgiving you know you take time to do things but there are some key risks I guess you probably need to you need to cover in terms of ensuring yourself covering certain things with contractors and projects what would what, what sort of things do you think would fit in with that mark
0: well i'm just i'm just thinking actually while you're talking about um, what risks for me are sort of a, a, a constant if that makes sense what yeah. what what risks are, am i aware of I'm still at this stage in our property journey in the same way that i probably was at the beginning and i'd imagine i share some common ground with most people investing the the risk of being potentially not over leveraged because that is actually one of the the, the the steps that we can take to mitigate against the risk of things like negative equity but leverage is is the degree of leverage you have in terms of lending is is a risk and and the the long-term plan and the steps putting steps in place to deleverage to a certain extent because that helps reduce perceived risk I think um and the other one is the risk of having all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. So like reflecting on our own uh, situation right now, we're very, very uh, all in on uh, hospitality (laughs) and uh, service accommodation. Um, And I, as I've said multiple times on the podcast, I am not in any way fearful of regulation that is likely to come into the uh, industry. In fact, I would welcome it. Um, That's not an issue. Having said that, there is some, uh there's some kind of grounded logic in diversifying your portfolio, potentially having a slight mix of strategies and just the feeling that that mitigates against the risk of you know running yourself into a dead end effectively yeah so i think that's that's kind of what's you know yeah it's it's prevalent for us all the time is is that that feeling in the background i think
1: and there's a there's a there's another risk here that actually probably has the biggest impact, or at least through their might, through people's thinking about it, is the, the risk of failure. Yes. That, that, you know, that's maybe not one you can insure against. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one that you probably have to do the most work on, mm. is that feeling of risk of failure, proving the other, the naysayers right, and the challengers that were maybe saying that um, you don't know what you're doing. Uh, what, what do you think people that you've seen that come through um, PWS and, and you've worked with, the ones that have really gone on and made things happen, what, what what do you see different? Is it their perception of risk? Is it something to do with their perception of risk of failure or they don't have a risk? What's your thoughts about people that have come through been very successful? What What's their attitude to being risk, to being to risk? Has it been just cavalier or actually yeah. they've just got a different approach to it?
0: Yeah, that's, that's the key question, isn't it? And I think it comes down to being really clear about defining what we're talking about here when we talk about yeah. risk. And I think some people, when they're talking about risk, are actually talking about being reckless or speculating, which is not what we're in, in the game of at all. Um, in fact, risk, risk management is the game. You know to a certain extent and this is not about sticking your head in the sand or being cavalier like you say and 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 ignoring the risks that would be reckless it's actually um you know being very confronting the risks and and doing a really in-depth analysis of the risks in a way so really um you know tackling them head on because only by doing that can we then take proactive and practical steps to mitigate those risks so I don't, you know, risk has a, a negative label attached to it. But from my perspective, um, people ask me all the time, well, you know, or, or, they, or they might say to me, so people that, that we've got friends or we've got family, you know, who don't invest in property and then look at what we're doing. I could, I could never do what you're doing. I'm far too risk averse to do what you're doing. And I find that really interesting because it's not, you know, their, their implication there is that somehow I'm wired differently and that I just don't I don't uh, care about the risks in the same way that they do. And yep. I don't think that that's the case. I think it's just partly through education, partly through experience, partly through surrounding yourself with uh, other people that you can learn from who've done a similar thing, we're able to confront those risks and put steps in place to mitigate against them. So you almost have a... Um, what's it called? Like a, not a fullback plan, but you know, we, uh, you go, uh, right. If that eventuality happens, then this is my, my, uh, my mitigating step. If that happened, I would do this. You know, if the industry went in this direction, then we'd go in this direction, you know, and you almost have a, what's it called? It's like a fail safe plan. I guess it will come to one, (laughs)
1: ABCDE. Yeah.
0: Yeah, But but, yeah, I think that's, that's for me is the difference is the, is the perception of risk and, and the embracing risk as part of the process and not be, it's, it's like that famous quote around bravery, isn't it? Bravery is not the absence of fear. It's what you do in response to fear. Feel the fear and doing it anyway, yeah. yeah exactly, and, and I think that, you know, risk management is not about um, ignoring risks. If anything, it's about really recognizing and analyzing the risks and then taking steps so i think a good i a good thing
1: we should maybe do maybe not right now but is between us just run through a list of what we've come across that we felt these are risks we need to mitigate just to give people a bit of context around what we're talking about mm-hmm. um, but just to go back to what you're saying there do do you so you don't by, it doesn't sound like you consider yourself risky your attitude
0: i wouldn't consider myself to be risky no no I, I, because i don't I don't consider our model and our approach to be risky, if that if that makes sense. I,
1: I million million pound developments with no fixed income, right? Trading yeah, exactly. businesses, not not yeah. not risky at all.
0: Well, no, I would acknowledge that the risks exist. This is the difference, isn't it? I would acknowledge yeah. that the risk exists, but I but I don't feel that what we're doing is risky because, and I guess this is where your due diligence comes in, you know, and and you'll be the same. Uh, well, I know you're the same from a from a, a commercial uh, perspective in terms of due diligence of, you know, what does the market require, um, what what's you know what need is there for particular offerings, and you know, really looking at very early on in the process so that you know by the time you bring this product to the market that you've already qualified a demand for it, you yeah. know, because I've, you know, obviously spending time with yourself and you're you're talking a lot about. Um, speaking to um, other people that operate in the area and to potential licensees or tenants um, before the, the building's even complete. So it's not a, oh, this is risky. I really hope people are going to like this when I've done it. I, you know, <laughs> I, I think it's great, but you're, you're actually almost like, you know, generating and qualifying that demand at the same time as you go through. Would that be right to say? Yeah, that,
1: yeah, that would be right. And we don't generally go a huge geograph, we don't, don't, at the moment our network of buildings are pretty close together so there's always a little bit of overlap, almost a cross-selling between buildings. Some of them, the furthest I think they're apart is about an hour Mm. from the sort of one extreme to the other and we do have tenants or clients that use, you know, buildings on both extremes. So if we went somewhere completely new, then I know I, I am increasing my risk because my um, understanding of that market is not as strong as currently, you know, in our area that we're in. But the, but that's getting on to mitigation, isn't it? And and ways you can do that. Sh- should we just talk about maybe some of the the risks we think about? Um, yeah. You just mentioned one there. Uh, a risk is not knowing what market demand is. Yeah. Definitely. Um, another one um would be as you said ha- having plan a b c d and e it's it's you know if if this thing doesn't work what's my what's my backup here so that that risk of it not working
0: particularly but- if you're dealing in developments where because we always talk about having a second exit right you know yeah. at, at least one uh, additional exit so if you are doing a buy to let you know will the property if for whatever reason uh, the rental market shifts, will the property sell and, and still make a profit or still at least cover your, your costs and vice versa? If you're looking to flip a property, but the the market takes a downturn and it's not conducive to, to flipping, can you rent that property out and it will still wash its face? When, I, I don't know what you find, but we are starting to Go towards developments where we're altering the building to such an extent that uh, it would be very difficult to revert that to any other use um, <laughs> than than its current use. So you know, if that so, I'm I'm thinking about the hotel development that we've recently launched down on the south coast. Um, it would be very difficult without significant additional expenditure to re- revert that, for example, to resi, yes, Just room sizes and 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 everything else. So. There is an element, and there was, there was, there certainly was an element of risk in terms of, and I, and, and again, this is where it's hard to separate personality versus the actual, um, the, the, the actual genuine kind of facts and hard risk. So, you know, we had done all of our usual due diligence around um, market analysis of short stay patterns and trends in that area. So we had all the evidence pointing towards the fact that this would be successful, but I guess it's the number of zeros involved in the project that makes you a little bit nervous around, yeah. okay, we've opened the doors. Is it going to book? Are people going to like it? Are we going to get good reviews and therefore develop some momentum? Are we going to be able to generate some corporate uh, relationships where we can get some corporate bookings in, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. so, uh, and, and because, although a lot would have to go wrong in a sense to end up in the worst case scenario, but you do end up thinking, well, in this case, we don't have a, a fallback necessarily of a second exit other than to flip it on. So
1: th- this is really interesting. We're, we're both in the space business, right? And, yep. and we're both in service space. you yes. you're, you the only difference is you you're by the people night people stay overnight. Yeah. Our tend to stay during the day. Right. Um, but, but what you're talking about there is when you take a project or an investment and you turn it more into an operating business or there's an operating element, which by definition means that there should be higher margin. Yes. That's the point of doing it. So yeah. so now we're starting to talk a little bit about risk and reward. Yeah. So you, you may be investing more or being a bit more niche so yeah. what you've done is you've kind of leveraged the risk a little bit here and just yeah. saying right I'm I'm going to I'm going to knuckle down to a more specific niche because I have learned understand that that can provide me with a higher return yeah but you know there is a re- there is a risk slightly higher risk as you've just pointed out that okay I'm a bit more niche here but there's much higher reward which does mean that your payback period should be much quicker yes so that That there's yeah, it's having that conversation in your mind all the time about risk reward, risk reward. And you know, if somebody says, you know, I've got an investment here that's gonna give you 25-30 percent return on total money in, not capital employed where but the total money in, a lot of people would say, Well, that's gonna be a high-risk strategy, and and it probably is, yeah, but it's probably quite niche, yes. So you need to know what you're doing but it yeah. doesn't mean that it doesn't work. Yeah. So uh, what, what's your thoughts on the risk reward side?
0: Yeah. Cause you will hear that quoted pretty consistently. You know, you're, I'm sure you're the same. I'm, um, I'm, I'm a, a sucker for for reading biographies of um, entrepreneurs and business people. And that comes up a lot, isn't it? That you can track back to a certain degree, their success to a point at which they took a risk as it mm-hmm. were. Um, and, and they, um, yeah, the the, the, the the level of investment. And, and it's really interesting to use the term leveraging the risk because I think that's exactly uh, exactly the process. And that would only be potentially advisable or relevant, I think, at different stages in your journey. But at the, the stage we're at with the knowledge base we've acquired from operating in that space for a number of years, we felt comfortable that we could leverage the risk and yeah the risk versus reward dictates that um the the returns on taking that risk are significantly higher yeah Um, and that's really what is sort of driving driving the project and then i guess it's the the experience that we have developed over the over the, the the years that we've been doing this to know how we respond to a downturn in the market what would we do I mean, we operate service accommodation through COVID. I mean, any operators that have survived service accommodation through COVID should wear some sort of special. There should be an accreditation. I think <laughs> some sort of badge that you wear, um, because anyone who survived Airbnb and Booking.com closing your calendar for months on end, um, you know that you you learnt certain skills, yeah. uh, and and you, and you had to really graft and and um, and hustle. And and I guess that coming out of that gives you a certain degree of confidence that it's like making your peace with the worst case scenario, isn't it? Yeah. If this happened, what would we do? We'd do this. And if this happened, it'll be fine because we'll just do this. Yeah. And having that bank of experience to fall back on, that's why I think it's the miss that your perception of the risk changes depending on where you are in your journey. Had yeah. we done that much earlier without any real experience of where do I find corporate bookings or direct contractor bookings or whatever, how how, how do we do that? Then I think the, the perceived risk would have been. It's yeah,
1: It's interesting. It? And, and you're talking there about confidence and confidence could, can lead to higher risk. Yeah. You, you, there's, if you've got overconfidence, yeah. you may start getting to that other risk, which is being blindsided by not yeah. being, um, consciously trying to be open to look at other... This is not to be paralysed by analysis or to just not do anything, but equally just being open to the mind of the fact that, what if that happened? What if this happened? And being, um, I guess, not overconfident in your skill set. And, you know... There's always that risk. You know you know, that, you to... that We have this conversation, and in two or three months' time, we <laughs> something unravels because you you got blindsided. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of choppy things going on in the market right now, aren't there? That we need to think about. In going back to that list, so so one being finance, of course, and the risk of interest rates going up. The other one, which is being is very overt right now, is about energy costs, which you and I both yeah. take. Um, control of it's not necessarily our clients that do that and there's also a, the, the risk of things happening not just economically but, but equally in, internally in the company whether it's to you whether it's one of your key employees um, whether it's one of your key suppliers all these different things that you kind of need that extra um, layer of support should one of those things happen the challenge of course is if you're trying to get started in this thinking about all that means you never get started right so
0: well, this is it so you you mentioned just now which is a re- is is a really interesting point you mentioned about paralysis by analysis and i realize i'm slightly going to contradict some of the things that i've just said by saying but at some point we all have to take a leap and i know yeah. that's that to some people sounds reckless or that's and it, and and that's not what it is but you know, you can go round and round in circles. But you're never going to remove all of these aspects of elements of risk 100 percent. So there, there comes a point. Let's say you're just starting out. There comes a point where you're just going to have to do it. You know, you, you, you can do all the due diligence in the world, but until you actually put that product out into the market, you you by definition won't truly know if there's a demand for it like you know we mitigate the the risk but there's always going to be an element of at some point you've got to go do you know what i've done enough due diligence now to warrant the risk if that makes sense to yeah. you know, at some to- point you have to step over the line yes exactly you, you have to, to uh, what's your phrase get in the swim well, getting in the swim is just
1: going out and, and learning what's going on and finding out what's happening in yeah. your market and really understanding your local market. But going back to what you're saying there about getting all your ducks lined up, at some point, you are going to have to step over the line. And that's when I think the, there's that taste of the risk then, right there, because that's the point where you actually have to make the decision. But all of that background work is to to mitigate risk while we're having this conversation, it's reminds me of, I'm pretty sure it's Robert Kiyosaki who talks a lot about reducing his risk by absolutely knowing his market Yeah. and what he does. Yeah. Um, so if you're in service accommodation um, and the, the, the size of projects you're looking at, if you absolutely know your market, both the, the, the client, the property type, and the location, then you should be mitigating your risk. And and, it's, it, and there's that whole juxtaposition where people say, oh, you need to diversify. You need to diversify. And it depends on who you are and what yeah. you're doing. If you're in the stock market and you have no clue on how to manage the stock market, then, yeah, sure, you probably need to mitigate risk by doing the whole thing about let's invest over years and let's make sure we have a diversified portfolio. Yeah. But, the the risk reward thing is, yeah. if you really know a company that is doing something very special, and you really understand their management team and what the perhaps the changes in in um, legislation or regulation or whatever it is that's going to happen that is going to propel that company forward, yeah. Then yeah, there's still a risk that some of those things won't happen, but you're in much clearer picture of what's going on. Yeah. So I think it's just the same for us in property. Is that you know. Uh, Having a starting out with a diversified portfolio to me sounds pretty risky. Because if you're just getting started, how are you going to know with enough detail about all those different markets and those different entry points into property? So actually that is not going to work in reducing your risk. You actually need to concentrate on one activity, one strategy, and just get to
0: know it really well. And potentially you're mitigating it. Potentially one area. Yes, you know, in, in terms of really understand. I know when we first started out investing in HMOs. I mean, we we shortlisted a number of areas, um, and and really started to focus on one in particular, which was Liverpool at the time. And um, the 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 in many ways, it's it's it that's driven by necessity. In that my desire to understand that market in that area to the level of detail that I knew would be required. To feel I'd mitigated those risks to get into that market meant that any spare time we had to, to dedicate to this, we would have to be in that area, yeah. in the streets, speaking to the agents, building relationships. The idea of a scattergun approach where I just randomly plucking rundown properties off right move all over the country, yeah. that's risk, like you say, because I don't know anything about the market where those properties exist. You know, but this
1: this that that whole picture there completely points out the the shades of gray of this so there we are saying if you're getting started get really focused get really good knowledge on a specific strategy in a specific area but then when you've start building that portfolio one of the risks starts appearing is being in one area one specific strategy <laughs> and everything else is actually a risk right that's the, <laughs> that's yeah. the oddity of it and that's when it's like okay right now i need to start Maybe diversifying my strategy types and my areas because the, the macroeconomics is fine, but actually we all invest locally. So the macroeconomics econo- <laughs> macro have a background noise, but actually we really must must concentrate on our local area to actually um, understand what's going on. But ultimately, yeah, we have to avail ourselves of lots of different strategies and start working in different areas to then start reducing that risk. It is a bit of an oddity, isn't it? So it does yeah. depend on where you're at in your journey.
0: And I say this to a lot. Well, I've, I've said it a lot on the podcast. I say it a lot to, to students and coaching clients is I, I believe that one of the things that differentiates a professional property investor um, from somebody who um, yeah, just wants to uh, amateur armchair investment, just wants to park some cash and, and hopefully realize a yield from it. Um, th- what defines us as property professional property investors is our ability to deploy whatever strategy best fits the current market conditions in the area we're looking at. And, and so I guess I draw confidence from knowing that actually if there was a shift in whatever that might be, I would have A, enough knowledge, to at least get started and be a community of people that I can tap into that have a lot more knowledge than I do to be able to then roll out a strategy that does work. Yep. You know, and actually for a period of time, if, if the economic climate or market conditions dictate, I might switch to a slightly different strategy because that is what is, uh, optimal for that situation. And you talk about macro and micro. I come from a sports background and sports coaching background, and working with um, working with top athletes, and a conversation that we would have almost on a daily basis would be around control the controllables, which is twofold, which is understanding in terms of mitigating risk. Have you done everything in your power within the things that are? Have you have you prepared? thoroughly enough have you trained well have you analyzed your opponent have you prepared your body have you eaten correctly have you done everything within your power going into that event whilst also acknowledging that during that event there will be any number of things completely outside of your control that you then have to draw upon your adaptability your problem solving skills etc to respond to and it's that that i mean that's no different right to property it's exactly the same i get to the point we talked about getting to a point where you're ready to make a leap i've done everything within my control reasonably within my control to analyze do due diligence etc i appreciate that there will always be elements out of my control but these are the steps i've taken to do everything i can to mitigate against that i guess yeah so
1: talking about mitigation i mean the the fundamental thing here is Mitigators, mitigation of risk is through knowledge and experience. Yes. And you're either going to have to go out there and learn that yourself, or you try and lean on others that have been there yeah. before to, to try and get those lessons early to, to mitigate that risk for yourself.
0: Yeah. Knowledge and experience, not necessarily your own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think... But that, that's a that's a really key take home message though, isn't it? And we're we're you know I'm I'm spending time with yourself, really enjoying learning about your commercial projects and in many ways tapping into your knowledge base and experience. And you know we I've always had that mindset. That if we're going to do something, we're going to do it properly. We're going to learn from the best. We're going to and I and I think that this isn't a case of. Um, Analyze your market, do a bit of due diligence, and that's a that's a one hit, one time thing. We're always evolving, we're always keeping up to speed with market trends, you know, we're always paying attention to what's going on within our industry, always learning, always getting mentoring. So, in a way, that's mitigating risk, right? Because you yeah. are you're constantly sort of staying ahead of the curve, I guess.
1: Yeah. And the point of this podcast is not to paralyze you. No. <laughs> You know, it's just to be conscious it's an ever-evolving thing and that you, you're, you're in control. It is your decision-making that, that ultimately um, will lead you down the right or the wrong path, but you need to get some um, just context around what you're doing and, as we say, really focus in on a strategy and an area that's going to allow you to get enough knowledge to mitigate that risk. Um, it, it's been something that has evolved for me. And over time, I do sometimes look back and I think, hmm, was that a big risk or not? And then, of course, in hindsight, you will get and think, well, actually, no, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. But there are one or two things I've looked at and I thought, you know what? Especially in terms of as our projects get bigger, there's definitely project risks. And, and I want to just cover this a little bit in that list. What, what The project yeah. risks that I've not really paid attention to as much as I should have in the earlier days were things like, Insurance to subcontractors, method statements, risks assessments, RAMs—I think they're called. Yeah, CDM. Yeah. These sorts of things that you just think, "Oh man, that sounds like a whole can of worms." I think I'll ignore that just now.
0: And unfortunately, but, most people don't take it seriously until something goes wrong.
1: That's that's exactly right, and and yeah. you know it, the 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 result of that can be pretty scary. Yeah, you know, so you you do need to try and um, cover yourself for these things. But there are lots of experts and professionals out there, and I don't think anyone would ever try and start doing that themselves. They would use an expert or professional yeah. until they get to a point where they're comfortable in in doing that. And yeah. it's even when you're doing a reverb, actually, all these things are still part of the equation. Yeah. But you know, you could argue, well, maybe the risk is a little bit less. Yeah. Than a very large project, and I don't, I can't remember what the number is. There's a certain number where you, I think it might be half a million quid that you have to. Actually, um, tell the what they called—I want to say HMRC. It's not HMRC. The other guys, HSE, that you're um, embarking on a particular project. There's a certain value they need to be informed about. These things I just didn't know about when I got started. But working with architects and asking them, right, what what do I need to know about method statements, risk assessments? Um, Are you guys taking on this CDM? Um, responsibilities it's just knowing some of those questions you don't need to know the answers and yes. how to do it all it's just I want, that, that, and I, I guess I'm just trying to say like, here's a little list of things you might want to just think about and then of course there's um, insuring the work itself insuring the property because it you know not just getting insurance that has um, that specific property listed without perhaps building works going on there's a difference there between when it's fully occupied when it's unoccupied when is building works going on and you kind of need to let people know because i think one of the risks that people don't think about is under insuring i'm not yeah. saying go out and cover yourself in all sorts of bubble wrap but yeah. but these are things that if they do go wrong they can be quite expensive yeah
0: and sometimes life changing yeah and these aren't these aren't the sexy things about property are they no, they're these... not they're not no <laughs> um as you but... get more and more professional
1: um, yeah. And or not professional. I mean, let's face it. If you're doing this, you really need to you need to up your game on these sorts of things because at some point something might go
0: wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to go back, almost taking us full circle, just to sort of square things off a little bit. Yeah. Full circle, square things off. I don't know if that works. Mm-hmm. Um, to what? We we alluded to it right at the beginning, which is actually the risk of getting started. So yep. you talk about opportunity versus reward, and um, do okay. let let's just let's just look at it from this perspective. Do you think I, I feel there's a tendency that some people, um, in their excitement and enthusiasm, to make changes to their lives and they think you know they they believe and we've got enough evidence to suggest that they're right to believe that property could be the solution to that but they leave the they leave the day job too early in that process do you what would your advice to be to someone who was saying look you know I'm, i i just want to pack in my job i want to go full-time as a property investor um i you
1: you know we can't we can't just
0: generalize on that can we it's so much down
1: in the individual some people work really well with their back up against the wall yeah but you need to understand yourself fully before you do that on a whim yeah Um, I I was really fortunate when I so I left work my wife and I were both earning a wage not particularly big wage I was younger obviously (laughs) but quite a bit younger and they, we, we could survive on the one wage, but what we did um, after reading Richest Man in Babylon and all those sorts of things, we, we saved up some money. Um, I started a business, took a small income, and, and that's really how we got going. Our property journey started um, about nine months into that. So we, we, we started a different business to get myself out of work and then or to give myself a bit more free time. And then we focused in on the property. So I had kind of a little bit of a plan there. And the intention then was to get my wife out of work, which took a bit of time, but we got to that stage as well, which was brilliant. But I think just on a whim is not the right thing. And there are some people that just need to have that security blanket and what I think we're really really fortunate with in property is it's a bit like a mechanical set you can just add another layer another house another commercial property whatever it is and you're just adding income streams i think yeah. that it it i don't i'm sure it's not unique but it's we're just really lucky in that you can do that and you can picture right i need 3000 pounds a month to be able to get out of work or whatever the number is how many houses is that or how many HMOs or whatever. It's really, um, we're very lucky on that front. But for some people, yeah, it it might be that they do need to put their back up against the wall, but I think they probably need a little bit of money behind them. Yeah. Or certainly some of that risk um, reduction, i.e. they've gained a lot of knowledge, they've maybe got some traction going on, there's some projects coming up that they have got in the pipeline that are going to make that difference. Mm. But what what I also... It's a bit like taking on employees. Sometimes the risk is actually much smaller than you think. So if you're taking on an employee, and let's say they're an expensive employee, they're three grand, five grand a month, whatever it is, maybe a bit more. At the end of the day, if it doesn't work, you can have a conversation and end that, right? Because it's not working. And it's kind of the same with leaving a job. At the end of the day, you've got a good income, right? you leave a job, if it doesn't work, it's not like there's gonna be a hole there forever. You can go and get another job. And I'm I'm maybe being a little bit flippant there, and especially if you've got a very specialist job, but it's not, it is crossing a line, but it's not do or die. (laughs) You can change if a strategy doesn't work. So there's back to that risk reward thing. Have you got a few plan A, Bs and Cs? Is there a little bit of backing in in the background? Pick a period of time you're going to do this for, but be aware, a bit like an auction, where your ceiling is. I'm going to do this for six months. I'm going to do this for nine months, whatever it is. And if it doesn't quite work to plan, make sure you are not
0: got your head in the sand and you can take some corrective action. And you're you're right to point out that there is a, a strong element of knowing yourself in all of this. Yeah. Um, because I, I, I look back and think that... um uh, in, in terms of all the objective measures of finance and, and the financial pressure it created for us to really make things work. Um, I probably left my job a year early according to those measures. However, I do know that I work extremely well with my back to the wall yeah. uh, and, and and the urgency and, and, and the pain that that creates and how that drives and creates a motivation. I do know historically that I respond well to that. Um, and, it's also knowing the 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 space I was in mentally, emotionally, everything in in that job, and uh, where that w- would have taken me. So actually, needing to, to 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 change my mindset and refresh things a little bit um, was arguably, you there know, there was a risk there. Stacking up, yeah. yeah, exactly. It was stacking up, you know, just as much against the risk of, of, of the financial risk of stopping. I guess, yeah. And so it is about knowing. Yourself, and and again, we were in a similar situation to yourself, by the sounds of it. So my wife is uh, is still in employment actually, and um, so I guess we always had the sort of the absolute backstop of of her salary. It's not like we we suddenly left ourselves with no income coming into the household whatsoever. Um, but um, but yeah, it created an urgency for us to to take some serious action and build some momentum and replace my my salary as soon as possible. Yeah, um, And arguably sometimes uh, where you see investors and students making slow progress, it might be because they don't have that pain. They don't have that. Things are just a little bit too comfortable. And therefore what is it that is going to drive you through the tough times and the ups and downs to really see it through and push it through if you don't have that sort of uh, that push and pull situation.
1: Yeah. We, we we This conversation grew on for a very long time because there's so many avenues, isn't there? And, it does absolutely 100% come down to you knowing yourself. Yeah. So that you, you, it's particularly in that scenario of what can I and can't I do and how do I operate? <laughs> how does my brain operate? It's funny, I, I, I find myself trying to work out tricks to get over myself and to get around myself because the biggest holder back, the biggest holder back, the <laughs> thing that holds me back the most, right, is me. So yeah. you're constantly trying to work out, how do I work around that one? And sort of when you've got a moment of silence, it's just thinking, right, I keep coming stuck there. How am I going to get myself motivated to get around that? What, can I, what steps can I put in place to avoid that, that, that bit where I pause or I stop, not, not to just go gung-ho, but just to make sure that I'm being more productive? Yeah. It's quite interesting.
0: It's very interesting. I think we've stumbled across a, a series of content here. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost a separate podcast, a Risky Business podcast. Sure. Or <laughs> That's right. But no, I, I think, I think that, that has been a really interesting conversation. Like I said, I think it's probably the, the, the launch pad down various uh various routes we could take it, but uh, hopefully people have found that uh, interesting and, and useful to listen to. So as always, Jerry, thank you so much for your input this morning. Much appreciated. Thank you, Mark. It's been great.
1: I, I, I love doing these sorts of things because it makes you think about yourself and about exactly. how you are um, doing your day-to-day stuff. So it, it's part of my learning process too. So thanks for having me on, Mark.
0: Yeah, I, I do say that actually. The podcast is just one big therapy couch for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, brilliant, thank you so much for that and I will uh, catch up with you soon yeah, we will do, cheers, cheers take care Thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. It was a fun one to record and has certainly got me thinking about lots of new content for future episodes. Speaking of which, it would be great to know what content you would like to hear on the podcast. The best way is to connect with us over on the Property Wealth System community page on Facebook and tell us about what you would like to hear. It would be great to hear that you are listening to the podcast and to understand how I can have value moving forwards. Please like and follow or subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast fixed that just makes it easier for other people to discover the podcast too and if you get a minute to leave us a review that would be hugely appreciated thanks again for listening and I will catch you on the next episode